hands down. I changed my mind. <laughs> Time's going faster and faster. There's things I want to share with you. Okay, I want to read you something. We believe that salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is made possible through the shed blood, substitutionary death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to all who believe. Rely upon, trust, place confidence in Him, and receive the merit of His finished work of atonement and imputed righteousness. The shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ makes possible the forgiveness and justification of the believer, thus making salvation a free gift. Not merited or secured by any deed, any work or deed, or feeling of man. We believe that eternal death is a result of sin and that both sin and death are universal to man. For one to enter the kingdom of God and be saved from eternal death, he must be born again. That is, he must be regenerated and given new life by the Holy Spirit through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is a vital part of believing. I hope that when you decided you want to be part of Bible Fellowship Church, that you would know what we believe on this issue, the gospel. And what's interesting is, when I left that conference, they were telling us at that conference that 9%, 9% of Americans believe in the gospel. 9% would say it's by faith, in Jesus Christ, through the shed blood of one individual. Nine percent. It's not a very big number. And so now you have a little white piece of paper in front of you, and you could see some things. So hopefully these are some words that are on your piece of paper. Salvation is by grace, through faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Take your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it's a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. So hopefully on your piece of paper, you'll have something to do that you can receive a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's a gift. You don't earn this. God wanted to have a relationship with you, and the only way that he could have a relationship with you was for somebody to die. There's something that I know is true about every single person sitting in this room. You know what it is? We are all sinners. There's not one of us in this room that's not a sinner. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. So that means all of us sitting in this room have a problem. Our problem is sin. And sin separates us from a holy God. So God says, hey, I want to make a way for you. I want to be part of you. I want to have a relationship with you. And so history, if you go back in history over 2,000 years ago, he was born in, in Bethlehem. 
He walked this earth, and then he died. But you know what's interesting? Three days later, I'll get that right. Three days later, he rose again. He's alive. And so this morning, you and I have an opportunity to talk about something, the gospel. Now, what is the tendency for us to do when we talk about the gospel? We will think about people outside of these walls. Well, the gospel's for so-and-so, or the gospel's for that person that's in prison, or the gospel's for this person over there, or the gospel's for you. It should matter in your life today. Because if you don't have gospel, you have nothing. If you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. The gospel's everything. You've heard me tell a story often. When I was in Whirly Birds, I was a little tiger. Paul Patton came to town, and he talked about hell. He scared me half to death. I said, I will do whatever Paul Patton says, because I'm not going to hell. You know what? I'm not concerned about hell anymore. You know why? I have Jesus. I have hope today. I have something that the world is longing for. It's a father. But see, my father is a little bit different than most fathers. My father loved the people that most people didn't love. The sinners. Because in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says this. But God demonstrated his love towards us while we were yet... Are you serious? It really says sinners in your Bible? You mean to tell me that the creator of the mountains said, hey, I want a relationship with those people, the sinners, the ones that nobody else would pick. That's the one I want a relationship. I will give the best gift for them. He did. God wanted you to have the best gift. And so while you didn't have it all together, he said, I'll just demonstrate my love for you so that you know that. Because I don't care where you come from. I don't care where you're going to go. I don't care what you're going to do. I care about you. So I send my best gift. Very clear in Ephesians. For it is by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not about you. Because you know what happens when it's about you? You like to talk about you. Is that true? I think it is. And we're living in a time in, in, in the United States of America that it's more about you than anybody else. Oh, just look what I did. Well, I have the freedom to do this. Or I have the freedom to do that. See, the gospel, it's not about you. Because if it was about you, we'd have to listen to you for eternity. Tell us about you. And I would much, as much as I love you all, I would much rather listen to Jesus for eternity than to listen to me tell you how fast, or listen, you tell me how fast you ran your 5K or what accomplishment you made in math or history. I want to be with Jesus for eternity. You know what? You can't do anything about this except, except the free gift. I told first hour, I don't have one, 
but it would be interesting if I could put a, a credit card underneath this little plant right here and tell you that it's worth $1 million. It would be interesting to see who the first one out of their seat would be. I know it wouldn't be Susan, and I know it wouldn't be Seth, because we don't have a million dollars. So they're like, there's no way Dad's putting a million dollars on this stage, because we ain't got it. But if I could, and I would just say it's free. It's just a demonstration. You know how full church would be next week if somebody found out that we were giving out a million dollars in different places and credit cards? around our facilities. Whoever found it, they got a million dollars. You know how full church would be? But we have something better than a million dollars, don't we? We have Jesus. And it's free. But will you believe? Will you say, you know what? I, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Or maybe on your piece of paper, because you're kind of like pictures, you could draw a picture of the cross and and you put somebody in there substituting. See, he substituted you for him. The one that should have been on the cross dying for our sins, that should be us. We should be the ones that are separated from God. We should be the ones that should be like the orphans all alone. But God said, no way, I, I, I'm, time out, I'm in the game now. You sit the bench for a while. You sit over there because I need to go do something for you. But God, wait, I want to play. No, you don't want to play right now. It's my turn. Because when I step into the game, eternity's at stake. We couldn't have done it. But he stepped in the game for us. Where did he step in? The cross. Of all places, he stepped in there. Say, hey, I'll demonstrate the love there on the cross. When they were ripping out his beard, he was saying, I got this for you. When they spit on his face, in his face, he said, it's okay. Go ahead and let him spit. Because I want a group of people in Highlands County to know how much I love them. I'm substituting in now. But there's one thing that's fascinating about Jesus. He's not dead. And I don't just celebrate him on Easter. He's alive today. And the same power that, that said, hey, come out of the grave, that was available to Jesus, say, hey, I'm alive, is the same power that's available to those who believe, not work. Those who say, I accept the free gift. Those that are willing to say, hey, I was going in this direction, but I want to go in a different direction. To those who are willing to say, hey, Dad, I'm coming to you. I jumped, Dad. We did a lot of crazy things as kids. And I'm sure there was often times that when dad said to me jump, I just jumped. I'm sure there was a never time there was never a time in my life that when my dad said jump that I ever stopped and said to my dad, "Now wait a second, dad. You know that I don't like needles. You know that I don't like stitches. You know that I don't like casts. You know that I don't like to go to the doctor. You know that I don't like band-aids. So by the way, dad, if I do one of these things and you don't catch me, that's where I'm going to end up being." No. It was just whatever my dad said, jump. We jumped. We trusted him. We said, oh yeah, dad. I didn't say to dad, dad, when was the last time you went to the gym? Dad, are you sure you really got this? Dad, you're looking a little bit tired today. I don't, I don't think you can handle it. No, there was just a trust. 
And you know what I learned? I don't ever remember one time that my dad ever dropped me. Not one time. So now, because of my framework as a home, I have a concept of God as my father that I can trust, that I can depend upon, that I can rely upon, that I can say, if that's what you're saying to me, that I'm a sinner, Dad, then I'll accept this free gift of the cross. I'll put my faith in you. I'll put my trust in you. I'll rely upon you. I want you to know something. Take your Bible and go with me to Luke. Luke chapter 5. Just a little reminder for you this morning. Luke chapter 5 and verse... 32, 31, Jesus is with the tax collectors and he's saying, follow me. Jesus says in verse 31, Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. God didn't call the healthy, God called the needy. And God called the needy, really as I think about repentance, it's really my life going in this direction. And then saying, you know what, God's called me to go in that direction. And it's me turning around and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to go in your direction. I'm going to recognize that I have a problem. See, there's a lot of people that you can talk to and say, well, you know, you're a sinner. Have you ever stopped and said to yourself, yeah, I am a sinner and I've got a problem? According to the statistics that we read now, only probably 18 or 19 people sitting in this building would say, yeah, would stand up and say, I recognize I have a problem. According to the national statistics of American Christians, 9%. That's 9 out of 100. So if there's 200 people here, that's 20. that would say I have a problem 20 that would say I have a need for a Savior that means the rest of you are believing the lie of the world that you got this that you can handle life. That you don't need anybody. Try it for a while and see what happens. Wait and see how a loving God will come into your life to break you. So you will stop and say, I do need safety. I do need help. So I've given you a lot of words. My question to you, how many of those words are on your paper? Do we find 
grace, forgiveness. Here's a real quick way you can look at it. Romans 3.23, for all sin comes short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his love towards us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Where does eternal life come from? Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way you get eternal life. Now here's the question. Take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What do you believe? You're sitting in the building. It's called church. A Bible is in front of you. And you can joke and you can think it's no big deal. But when it's all said and done, when it's time to take your last breath, where will you be? Will this life be filled all about you? Look at what you've accomplished. And then when you get to the time like Lily Taylor had, where God gave her the grace to be able to sit with her family one last time. Will you say anything about Jesus? Or will it be about what you've accomplished? Or your regrets? Or will you be able to sit in a hospital bed and say, Hey kids, get your life in order. Follow Jesus. better question is, will your kids even be around? Will they want to be? Because that, as you go about life now, it's just about you. And your kids are like, oh, well, nice to see mom and dad. Here's a question I think you need to ask yourself, and I didn't ask this at the first hour. Who you belong to is who you follow. It really doesn't matter what's on that white piece of paper. It matters on who you follow. Because you can write whatever you want to write on a piece of paper. And you can give me all the right information. You could basically write out word for word on of, of our doctor saying, "Yeah, that's 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 what I believe." Really, who do you follow? Who do your actions show that you follow? Because you can talk a good game. Remember a time we were playing softball, and this guy, I mean, he was big and tall, and. He had athletic ability. I mean, I, I mean, he told he tells you know, all about how he can play. We get out on the softball field. 
he can't catch a pop fly. I'm thinking, man, he talked a good game. He has no idea what he's doing. He sure fooled me. He won't fool God. Because he's heard it all and seen it all. You belong to who you follow. Because who you follow is who is the priority of your heart. So don't say you belong to Jesus. Oops. I'll lean on this side. Don't say you belong to Jesus with your words. And don't think that there will be comfort in your death because Jesus has heard your words. Jesus wants your heart. He longs for you to follow. Great commission, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Make followers. And so this morning as you've gathered as a family, who do you follow? Is he your savior? Have you, has there been a time in your life you said, you know what, I recognize I've got a problem with sin. I'm going to just put, I'm, Jesus, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm, I'm trusting you, Jesus, to take care of my sin penalty. Is that what you're saying this morning? Do you believe in that? Do you believe he's alive this morning? Because what I found is I, as I thought through the gospel, the gospel really gives me hope for today. And all of you need hope today. You know what's sad? 97% of America. No. 93% say, could be a little bit more. 93% of Americans do not have hope today because they do not have Jesus. So that means 7 to 9% of the rest of the population are the only ones that have hope this morning. You have hope this morning? You got Jesus, you got hope. Now, as we close, the only one that can help you today is you. You say, what are you talking about? I can't make you ask Jesus for help today. I can't make you say yes to Jesus. If I could, I would. Because I know what it's like to have God as my father. And Jesus as my Savior and the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Because I know what that, I, I've watched it work my life. Just story after story. I won't say story after story. It's you and Jesus now. What will you do? If you've never said yes, my encouragement for you this morning, say yes. Say, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm calling on you.
I'm asking for you. I'm accepting the free gift, Jesus. The words, the wording doesn't really matter. Has there been a time in your life where you've recognized you're a sinner, you've recognized that somebody died on the cross for your sin, he rose again three days later, have you received the gift? Have you said yes? It's your choice. Other person sitting in here. It's interesting that we can play church pretty good, can't we? We can come and sit in our little seat and sit in your seat, your pew, your area. But does Jesus have your heart this morning? So you can be in a building for 30 years and never give him your heart. You're going to be in a building six months and give him your heart. Does he have your heart this morning? Because you know what happens? Life. And you know what else happens? Life smacks you in the face. And then Christians get mad at God for getting slapped around. God, why did you do that? That wasn't fair, God. Like he's going to ask us what's fair and not fair. The creator of all is going to stop and say, by the way, do you agree with me or not? So we get mad at God. And all along, God God is just slapping you around to get your attention. For you to stop and say, oh, I forgot about you for a little while. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm coming back home, Dad. Come home. There's weary people sitting in this building. Come on. He's waiting for you. Doesn't have to be fancy music. Just come on. Let's pray. So, Father, you know. You know us all. You made us so we can't hide. The truth is in front of us. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Have you accepted the free gift of eternal life? That's a yes or no question. It's either yes or no. My prayer for you this morning, that if it was no, that it's yes. That you would say, yes, Jesus, I hear your voice. I surrender to the truth of your word. I accept the free gift. If that's you this morning. Come home. Accept the gift. Allow him to be your father. He's the only one that will provide you hope in a world where there is no hope. For those of you who didn't sit in church for a while, come home. Where Jesus has just been on the back burner, come home. Where life has been about what you've want to accomplish, come home. I know there's people in here that are hurt this morning. Come home. Say, how do I come home? Jesus, I need your help today. That's what he's waiting here. He's waiting for you to ask him for help, for you to surrender. The Holy Spirit, you know what needs to take place in our building and our hearts.
And I ask, Holy Spirit, when we leave this place, that we would not be the same. If you're here this morning, you'd like to pray with somebody. We have the What's Next ministry. It's in the back. They'd love to pray with you. Father, thank you for allowing us to come meet around your word, the gospel. May our lives never be the same because of you living inside of us. In your name I pray. Amen.